This is Let's Talk Education Research, a research podcast from the Institute of Education at Dublin City University. With me, your host, Dr. Peter Tiernan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of Let's Talk Education Research. Thanks for joining me. And this month, I am here with Dr. Justin Ramey from the School of Policy and Practice here at the Institute of Education, DCU. Thanks, Justin, for giving up your time today. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me, Peter. Um, so, Justin, as we say, you're you're uh, associate professor in the School of Policy and Practice. So, you're here today to talk generally about um, your role as director of the Further Education and Training Research Centre, and maybe some more about your your own role uh, as an academic member of staff here too. So, maybe we could start a little bit uh, with hearing a little bit about you, your background, and how you ended up as an academic here in DCU. Of course, yeah, no problem. I've been in DCU shortly over twenty years now, and. Uh, was based in the Glasnevin campus in the School of Education Studies before that. But my background leading into education is a little bit um, maybe less conventional. I came from community arts, um, <clears throat> went back to college as an adult, as a mature student, um, part-time studied in DCU and studied education and training because I was working with people from uh, communities around Dublin, inner city particularly, um, around education. Um, so they suggested I should formalise my qualifications and go back to college. So they helped me go back to college and that kind of gave me the bug of education and training and got to meet a lot of people in that sector, particularly in Dublin, really coming from that community background. Before that, before I, I, I moved to Dublin, I actually had studied film and television in, in the UK at college and before that I'd studied art. And I had travelled around and done a bit of teaching here and there, teaching art, teaching um, sculpture, teaching film um, in Nigeria for three years, in Bosnia, in Japan. Um, I kind of lived all over the world doing a bit of teaching. So I never had a formal... Have you considered writing a book on all of this? Travels? Not yet. No. <laughs> waiting, waiting for the offer. Um, but that kind of gave me the bug about teaching. I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed interacting with people. I enjoyed showing them something new which they could learn and pass on to others, particularly the work I did in Nigeria, which was about um, using film and television to promote the ideas of agricultural developments. <clears throat> so when I came back to Dublin, I ended up working in the City Arts Centre, worked in education there with people, uh, disadvantaged adults and people with disabilities in the music business, connected to my, the film course I had done. And that's what got me back into to education. And I came out to DCU and studied in 1996, I think I started, um, a certificate in education and training. And that uh, education and training programme, we'll probably come back to that a little bit later in connection with Fetrick. With, with um, and then I think you went on and did the Masters in Education and Training, is that right, before you did your PhD? Yeah, so after that, I, I got the bug. I got, I, I got the bug um, for for learning really, this idea of lifelong learning really struck, um, resonated with me. So I went on and did masters in educational management uh, leadership strand. I know there's an e-learning strand as well. And that got me interested in the sociological aspects of kind of education, where people were coming from, what barriers were there to education for them, and what challenges were there for people trying to engage in lifelong learning. I think, again, that, that does feed nicely into what we'll talk about later in, in relation to Fetrick. So, specifically today, um, so I know you do lots of other work around the university, um, and you've been our teaching and learning um, teaching and learning convener, no? Our associate, associate Dean for Teaching <laughs> and Learning. I demoted you there, Justin, sorry. Associate Dean for Teaching and Learning. Um, but specifically, we're here to talk about Fetrick. So, you're the Director of the Further Education and Training Research Centre, or, or Fetrick. Um, and I suppose the first thing 
maybe to tell our listeners about is um, where did this centre emerge from? How long has it been in existence? Why did it arise? Are you the uh, founding director or did you take this from somebody else? Where did it all come from? Well, I think back to the School of Education um, Studies, which was on the Glasnevin campus, originally a relatively small um, school within the Faculty of Humanities, um, not formally doing teacher training programs like we do now in the Institute of Education, but more for further education teachers. Mm. So these were certificates, diplomas, um, small credentials where people, adults mainly, who are working in the sector, could build up those kind of credentials over time. So that was the course I did. I ended up working on some of the modules afterwards, particularly the arts-based modules and action research. Studied, started doing my PhD in that school under the supervision of Jerry McNamara and Joe O'Hara was very influential at that time. They were very much involved in developing programs for people working in further education and training and kind of backfilling a lot of that staff who didn't have the credentials um, supported by the Department of Education and Department of Further Education as it was at, at, at the time. So they're really the genesis of where it started from, their ideas, and uh, working with them afterwards, we decided we should maybe um, formalize this a little bit more, and I could call it maybe a collective or a cluster of, of individuals interested in doing work. The work of our students, our graduates, who are publishing some really interesting stuff around FET and vocational education and adult learning as well at the same time. And in 2016, we formalized that and launched the center officially. Um, in, in Glasnevin. So we've been going you know, for, for quite a number of years now and it's become more and more formal in a way. We've expanded and many of the individuals who are members of FETRIC have got expertise and skills in very different areas, not necessarily just FET. Mm-hmm. It's this, it, it crosses over a lot of different domains, digital learning, um, lifelong learning, adult learning, intergenerational learning, and then there's the, 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 the VET stuff, the vocational and education and training. But primarily it's about further education and training, and we developed a mission back then of what it would be to engage with research at all levels and influence the overall strategic direction of FET in the country. Ireland was going through a lot of changes at the time. Um, the, the, you know, Solace just came on board, the VECs are being dissolved, so we had education and training boards. So there was an enormous amount of change happening at that time. We thought it was a, a poignant time to develop a research centre to investigate this. So any decisions made at kind of government level were research-informed decisions and evidence-based decisions. And have that um, group of individuals focused or, or working in a focused way to respond to some of the changes that were happening at the time, I assume? At the time, absolutely, yes. So we'd be looking at things like qualification frameworks and how, and how that worked, um, uh, RPL, things that were really relevant to those students who were, or those graduates who were working in the, in the sector. So we even helped in the way of lobbying around equal pay, um, status of FET teachers. So it really was about the teacher rather than the curriculum. Worked with um, pre-QQI FETAC were, were, were very influential and very involved and did some project work with them, helped co-develop programs with them as well. So very much in the sector, working with practitioners, that was kind of where it started. Yeah. And so bring us up to today then, what's what's currently on the agenda for FETRIC? Now, no doubt you have lots happening, um, but if there was a couple of key projects, initiatives um, that FETRIC has underway that you feel our listeners might be interested in and might be able to read a bit more about? Again, the kind of the base of, of, of FETRIC is its members. So it's really where their interests lie as well. So if somebody is, 
engaged in an international project around adult learning or intergenerational learning, that's something they can pursue. Seek funding for that in a, in a supported way with, with the idea of, of producing some kind of solid empirical research at the end of that with publications um, that come with that. But we do look for funding. We do look at European and international level for projects that interest us primarily, first of all, but also interest the government and the state and what we're interested in. So Solace approach us, QQI approach us, loads of semi-state bodies or governmental bodies approach us and say, would you be interested in doing some research on this and that? And we do do some of that. Mm. It can be very time-consuming and it can be quite arduous in the process of putting something like together. So we are quite autonomous in that way. We're, we're only answerable to the university itself mm. and, and its strategy, and we try and stick to what, what that is. I'm in the School of Policy and Practice, so some of the work I would personally do would be around policy development, European policy. How does Irish policy fit into European and vice versa? How do we influence each other? And we have a number of projects we work with at European level. I'm, I'm involved in the, the Journal of Vocational Education and Training um, and the ECER VET Net Network, where we look, where we work with other researchers across Europe and look at what what's what's important for Europe right now around vocational education and training. We do work for Setafop, and we work in partnership with with other um, FET and FET kind of researchers across the world. And on some of those projects, is there anything key that you could draw out? You mentioned there what's important for Ireland or Europe in terms of VET or further ed at the moment. I, I don't know what stage those projects are at, so you know, apologies if you can't answer these questions yet, but is there anything that's coming through as the key themes right now, either for Ireland or the EU in terms of further and adult education? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good question, and it changes so quickly, the dynamics and the, the, you know, the, the, the culture, of, particularly in the European environment, changes so quickly. In the past, the last few years, we've been looking at technical skills quite a lot, apprenticeship has been big on the agenda in Ireland. So lots of research, lots of postgraduate researchers in DCU then through our EDD and our PhD programs engaged in that kind of work. But what we're discovering now from a European kind of um, perspective is Europe's kind of in trouble at the minute. It really is, and you can see that in, in, in the political leanings and what's happening in local elections. What might happen um, towards the summer there, this leaning towards the far right, there is a bit of discontent in Europe. And, and a lot of these are driven by economic changes. Mm. And some of the economic changes are, 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 are blamed on migration and migration policies, but also there's historical context to all of these. So the rise of populism or, or something like that is something we should watch out for and does influence what happens with young people and voices. Mm. And young people are the main people involved in further education and training. Mm. So there are a number of really active projects we're involved in. In fact, one we're having today in DCU with, with national stakeholders looking at how do we address things like this in the curriculum, in the formal further education and training curriculum, but also we can't avoid looking at it in post-primary and primary mm. because all of these things are connected and they're part of the European project. The mm. idea that we are a united kind of economic base in a way, but also a social base with our own individual um, ideas and values. So there's a couple of those are major projects. One is a Horizon project, and we might work with Finland or Germany or and see how that's happening in their countries. What can we learn from that? How do we influence that by publishing papers, by presenting that at conferences and producing working documents that we can present to government and say, look, this, this, these are things we need to build into our planning, into our policy planning. And I think um, that issue of misinformation, disinformation and the ability to tell fact from fiction and the spread of all that, I think you know that that'll be relevant to our listeners regardless of what 
um, stage of education you're looking at, whether it's you know primary, post-primary, third level, or indeed further adult education. Um, and I think what's changed maybe in the last 10, 15 years was always people, always propaganda, always people trying to push different messages is it's not only now that we face similar issues, but all those issues are interconnected. So if a message is spreading, it doesn't really have any geographical boundaries anymore. So the ability to tackle misinformation, disinformation, and that kind of digital literacy space is important for further in adult education, because I think the range of people that um, that engage with further in adult education, right the way through from like young adults through to older adults, and that ability to, to engage that broad of an age range with those important topics is is crucial. Absolutely, completely agree. This does cross over all of the kind of sectors and all the schooling sectors, the formal and the non-formal. I'm just out of a meeting there from um, a national body called Localize, um, who are developing what we call my volunteering portfolio, trying to credentialize what young people are doing outside of the formal education sector in a kind of digital portfolio where they can document what they're doing with their local community, what they're doing with their local GEA club, or whatever it is. And this is this kind of an insport, a supported way, but can that get them anywhere else? Will that bring them into FET? Could that bring them into higher education if that was a choice that they wanted? Um, so, so we look at those kind of things and we think that youth are the most disaffected kind of group. They're still the highest un uh, unemployment rates are with that kind of young group. But this does connect to schools. It does disinformation, that post-truth world we're in now. How do young people navigate that? Because they are connected to their phones. Their, their phones are an extension of their, their, their hands. I, I have four children myself, so I know exactly what that means. We can't control that. We have to embrace that. We have to understand what TikTok is and what it does. Mm -hmm. I have to be able to tell my 12-year-old my, my who wants TikTok right now why it's not a good idea right now. Mm -hmm. Or if you do, how do we deal with that in the formal sectors? So whether that be into school, moving into further education. Um, you know, in, in Dublin recently, we... we, we We've seen the evidence of disaffected youth mm. in you know riots, and these are being driven by, by by certain individuals and certain groups who have a different kind of mm. uh, agenda. Now that can be that can be dismissed in certain ways, but I think it's about letting our young people know um, how to how to navigate that that space mm. and how to be digitally literate. Mm. I think that's really important, but also we need to change our curriculum. Our curriculums are notoriously slow to change in, 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 in many countries, but particularly in Ireland. By the time we deal with something like populism in the curriculum, it could take years for that to go into the curriculum. By that stage, my daughter or son has left school. Mm. So how do we deal with that immediately? And it's about the teachers. So you and I and our colleagues in, in, in the Institute of Education are in a really privileged position that we can work with young trainee teachers, not necessarily young, every, every age, to help develop the tools, the toolkits to deal with these kind of things in an organic way as and when they arise in the classroom, in FET or in schools, mm. but also to um, understand the young people and, and where they're getting information from and how can they deal with that and how can they see what's valid, what's, what's, what's just not, not truthful and how they can actually understand that they, they could be being manipulated mm. through that. So as you said, that's been happening for centuries. It's, it's just a way of format. Yeah, 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 the speed. Um, so I think that's really interesting and, and some great insights into what's happening um, across the EU and the connections and links with with, with, with how Fetric is, is, is um, linked to all that that's happening. Um, from an, like an Irish point of view um, or an Irish perspective, 
is there you know two key things that Fetric sees as important uh, messages or important uh, objectives or strategies um, that you would like to see focused on uh, in Ireland currently? So you know the next two three years in in your strategic plan, if, if you've been uh, working on that, um, that you think are the key things in an Irish context. Well, I, I think there's there's some drivers externally influencing that. What what the state wants, what what what, what um, um, Ireland wants economically, and we have a we have a forward looking plan. We look at economics. We 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 look at predicting um, work pattern and trends. You know, most of the the jobs we're preparing our students for now don't actually exist. Mm. So we need to be able to have that kind of a foresight mentality in planning those kind of things. I think in, in Ireland as well, what Fetric have always been trying to do is um, promote the voice of further education and training, generally speaking, and give it the standing it kind of deserves. Um, you and I both have experience of further education students who've come into degree level programs, maybe directly from further education or through some kind of other bridging pathway. And our anecdotal evidence, and we're gathering formal evidence on this now, um, proves that these students do very well. Once the barriers and the obstacles that are there, whether perceived or real, um, have been removed, they flourish and they succeed. So I really, if there's one message I'd like to get across to, to parents, students and guidance counsellors in, in schools is that FET is a very valid choice. It actually does create pa pathways and opportunities. It also helps young people find their kind of vocation in a way when I feel that maybe a 17-year-old in school or an 18-year-old isn't really in that vocational mindset yet I'm thinking or maybe they feel pressurized to thinking about that so the FET practitioner is very valuable in that in, in that point so having having the skills and the qualifications to do their job which I think is a very tough job and I think that they are it is a vocation um, that it gets recognized in the same way that a primary school teacher a secondary school teacher gets recognized and I think that's really really important because that has an economic and a social benefit. And I think that's one thing that we maybe neglect to discuss when we talk about FET. We are training people for the future, for jobs that don't exist, but we're also educating people as a whole, like, like schools do as well, which prepares them for other kind of challenges that they're gonna meet in family and society and work as well. Okay, great, um, and very um, important. Uh, mission there for for Patrick and the, the the standing of FET. I think both in uh, as you've said, in terms of the standing of FET as a route for students to go through, but also when they get there, that the the teachers that they meet are um, motivated, qualified, and get the recognition they deserve for the for for the the work that they do. Um, so finally then, what's next for Fetric? Is there anything on the horizon um, that you feel might, might, our listeners might be interested in, in uh, hearing about? Or is there projects currently underway that you feel you would like to reach out to international, potential international collaborators that could look at things from a Ireland and ex-jurisdiction context? Uh, what's, what's next? Uh, absolutely, and again, that that's that's driven by the by the member base of Fetric. So the, the what what the members are interested in, but also what DCU and the Institute of Education research strategy is. So what do they want? Certainly drives us, and we have a certain amount of autonomy of what we can do and what we want to do. So we probably say no to more things than we say yes to, which is which is a fantastic position to be in. Mm. We aren't always chasing the money because sometimes we know that just leads to dead ends. 
So we have the ability and the, the autonomy to kind of look at things that interest us or we think is important based on our values and the values of the university as well. So what we're kind of looking at at the minute, and some of these things are very slow burn. Um, at the minute I'm in the middle of a Horizon project and that took two years before even application. So you might be meeting other colleagues from across the world discussing what an idea could be and how that might form. And then you may opt out during that process or you may opt back in again. I'm discussing now with about three uh, universities in the UK on FET and VET ideas. They're only back into the funding kind of circle again, so they're quite desperate to look for, for partners, um, which is kind of interesting. So these kind of things, so probably two or three times a week, I'd be looking at funding opportunities and trying to see is there kind of a proof of concept even stage is it worth pursuing before you even do an application and these applications can take a year to even put in put in um at this in terms of reaching out to the international kind of community we, we're interested in anything to do with further education and vocational education and training so there's something happening in your region in your country that you think we might find interesting we, we're certainly open to talking to you about that even down to pedagogical or andragogical issues in a, in a classroom, in a school curricula, but also policy um, development in, in states, um, skills development, skills formation systems, all these kind of things. We also are, are kind of, we have members interested in that as well. So I, 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 again, the whole digital space and something you're very familiar with yourself is probably the most important thing happening right now. But, but but in the context of the green agenda. Mm. That's really what everything really should be about. And certainly that's one of the focus of solace in our country. The Further Education Training Agency is how do we make our programs, our products, our jobs, and our, our lifestyles um, more sustainably. Wow. More sustainable. More sustainable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that brings us to time. Just for our listeners, we'll include a link to the, the Fetrick website okay. um, and a link to the Twitter account so you can follow uh, Fetrick for updates on all of their research um, activity and all of their other activities that they are involved in. So Justin, listen, thanks a million for giving up your, your time and that very interesting conversation on all things Fetrick, how it started, what it's up to and what it's going to do next. I'm sure our listeners will be very interested. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Okay, take care. Thanks again for joining us on Let's Talk Education Research. To find out more about the podcast, you can email me directly on reader.t.tiernan at tcu.ie or you can find me on Twitter at pt underscore phone underscore home.